Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and we are back. Now we're going to talk about nutrition scientifically. My guest is Nina Techholtz. She's a science journalist, author, and the executive director of the Nutrition Coalition, a nonprofit group that promotes evidence-based nutrition policy. Nina uncovers the latest scientific evidence that would go a long way in trimming America's waistline. The CDC's recent report on the status of American health reveals that we are exercising more than ever, but we're still gaining weight. And today, Nina will discuss nutritionally inadequate diets fueled by the U.S. dietary guidelines based on flawed science. Wow, can't wait to hear this. Welcome, Nina. Well, thank you for having me. Good. All right, so tell us about the U.S. dietary guidelines for Americans, how that all came into existence, and how they've changed since since they first came in. The U.S. dietary guidelines... Most people know that as the food pyramid. It's now, it's my plate. Uh, it started in 1980. And if you look at obesity rates in America, they were fairly low. And in 1980, they turned sharply upwards. And uh, so that's just a correlation. It doesn't mean causation. But what the number one goal of the U.S. Dietary Guidelines was to increase Consumption of carbohydrates, that's bread, pasta, what they said, 7 to 11 servings of bread or pasta every day, to increase that to be 50 to 60% of all your calories. Um, at mm. the time, Americans were eating uh, 39% of their calories as carbohydrates, according to the best available mm. government data. And so what, we base, what basically the government did is put the entire population on a high-carb, better known as the low-fat diet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's only a certain number of macronutrients you can eat, fat, protein, and carbs. If you push down fat, less meat, less cheese, fewer eggs, that's what we were told right. to do, you ramp up grains, pasta. I mean, what else are you going to have for dinner? So it turns out Americans since 1970 have increased their carbohydrates by 30%. So, you know, it's it's pretty clear from a large and emerging body of science that Excessive carbohydrates, or put another way, that that if you reduce your carbohydrate load, you can effectively combat, better combat obesity, lose more weight, and you can, in experiments, if you really reduce your carbs for people who really um, who are really metabolically unwell, like people with type two diabetes, mm-hmm. they can reverse their diabetes. They can mm-hmm. completely get off all their medication, and reverse diabetes. So all of this sort of points the finger at the dietary guidelines for getting it really drastically wrong with the low-fat mm. diet. Um, okay, you know, but I have a question. But, but, but I do have a question about this. Of course. Uh, my, my question is about, you know, sort of the, the high-protein, high-fat, almost the Atkins-type diet where you're not having any carbs. I mean, is that good for your body? Well, I think it's better to talk about low-carb diets rather than one low-carb diet. There are diets that go, you know, people try to go zero carbohydrates. That's almost impossible to do. Your body doesn't actually need to consume carbohydrates. According to the National, the, the National Academy of Medicine, your body has no native requirement for carbohydrates because it can make its own um, from, yeah. from proteins that you eat. So you don't actually have to eat them. I didn't know that. Yeah. That I didn't know. You, it's not, they're not essential to your diet. Um, but... 
What happens is that um, you know people can go on people people reduce their carbohydrates and they reduce it to different levels and different things work for different people, right? Some people have to go very low if they're very unwell. Other people go to a moderate amount. Some people see benefits just from cutting out dessert and they stop eating mm-hmm. sweets and they stop eating a right. lot of you know candy and they right. see tremendous results. Other people, if they're diabetic, they have to you know for them to see results, they have to go lower. And it is sort of a redux, you know, it's now it's called the ketogenic diet, low carb, high fat, it used to be called right. Atkins diet. Um, and, you know, it's not for everyone. What we're saying is that the research really shows that for people who are metabolically unwell, you know, overweight or obese, di- pre-diabetic or diabetic, or have heart disease, those people are all manifesting a version of really having too excessive carbohydrates in the diet or high blood pressure is another symptom of it. Yeah. It's in- you know, interesting. And yet, and yet I, want to say, I want to say this. Um, yes. If Dan Buettner's study, and he wrote the book Blue Zones, and he right. traveled to zones all over the world to find the healthiest and longest living people on the planet. And you know what he said in my interview with him? He said they eat plant-based diets. Right. Well, let's talk about quality of evidence. What Dan Buettner did was collect what is the lowest quality of evidence. You look at a people in time. You don't know what they ate when they were young or what their grandparents, what their parents ate or what they ate as children. And you try to, and you say, well, this current diet they're eating is, is tied to long life. And it's not controlled. So Dan Buettner, who um, who might, you know who went into this, this is this is other scientists do this as well. They go into this uh, with an idea, and they go to populations they know eat uh, higher plant diets, and they just select those. Well, he doesn't go to a place like Hong Kong. Hong Kong has the longest living people on Earth and the highest consumption of meat in the world. Because Dan Buettner doesn't go there, <laughs> or he doesn't go to you know he doesn't go to the highlands of I- of Ireland where they have they subsist on a lot of lard and dairy products, also really long lived. Um, doesn't go there, so that kind mm. of data is very uh, unreliable. It depends upon the biases of the researcher. It's a one point in time. It's called ecological data. It's just interesting. It's the, it's the weakest kind of data. The sort of scientific evidence that I'm talking about are the highest, most rigorous kind of data, the gold standard. They're called randomized controlled clinical trials. That's what, you know, if you're going to get a drug approved, you have to do a randomized controlled clinical trial because that's what's considered most rigorous, where you take a group of people, divide it into two, give one person an intervention, the other person a placebo. That's what's considered the gold standard of medicine. So the data that I'm talking about comes from this most rigorous kind of medicine, uh, mm. this kind of evidence, randomized controlled clinical trials, where they show people who are unwell, obese, metabolically unwell, diabetic, they, are, they benefit the most from really reducing their carbohydrates. And a really important point is to say, you know, the kind of diet that a healthy person can eat is really quite different than the diet an unhealthy person yes. can eat. If, if yep. your metabolism yep. has tipped over into being unwell, right? And, and this is uh, recognized more and more. You know, it's, it's understood as in your insulin resistant, you, you, your body can no longer respond to insulin, which meaning it cannot process carbohydrates anymore. If you're one of those people, 
Meaning, and this is what happens to diabetics, and it happens to people who are um, who become overweight and obese. If you're one of those people, you are there's you're metabolically unwell, and what you can eat in order, you know, your to be healthy is much different. And basically, you're intolerant to carbohydrates mm-hmm. at that point. It doesn't mean you yeah. can't regain your tolerance, but you are at that point intolerant of carbohydrates and you so, can't so, process them. So, Nina, let me ask you something. For the people who feel like they're, you know, they're not diabetic or they don't have insulin issues and they feel like they're fairly normal, they may want to lose some weight or they may be normal weight, how do they really know what they should eat? Is it trial and error? Is it what makes them feel good? Is it what gives them energy? Well, I would say, you know, if you're just going to look at the rigorous randomized controlled clinical trial evidence, the evidence, the diet that has the most evidence behind it is is a carbohydrate-restricted diet. That's where the evidence really lies. But that said, there is a lot of variation in what what people do well on. Um, and so people can, you can go through a trial and error uh, and see what works for you. But if you're just going by what the science says, then the first option of choice ought to be carbohydrate restriction. What um, if you don't have a weight issue? What if you're well, regular think, weight? You know, so, well, there are people <laughs> who would say, you know, carbohydrates also drive, um, there's increasing evidence, you know, they, they drive cardiovascular disease or other diseases. But I would say if you're a healthy person, you can tolerate, you know, you are basically, mm-hmm. your body tolerates um, carbohydrates well, you're insulin sensitive, and you can eat a far broader range of things. I mean, this is what most children, teenagers, okay. you know, they're healthy. And so they can what? eat pretty much anything. What about complex carbs versus, um, so in other words, brown rice uh, instead of white rice, or a sweet potato or a yam instead of a white potato? Well, there is some evidence to show that refined carbohydrates, that your body processes very quickly and produces a big surge of insulin, are um, produce more insulin resistance more quickly. So that is it's definitely better to reduce sugars, refined uh, flours, refined grains, and, and that's where to start. It is also true that if you look again at that rigorous scientific literature, that some people don't see results unless they really reduce all carbs. In other words, they have to reduce even those uh, you know, healthy whole grains, even some fruit, fruit is high in sugar, so some people, in order to get results, need to really cut back on total carbohydrates, and that's where the literature, the scientific literature, is strongest. So it seems, you know, antithetical and contrary to everything we've been heard, but that's just where the science—that's mm-hmm. where the science is now. It All shows right. that you know people who who really cut back on total carbohydrates, if they have a very stubborn metabolic condition. Uh, that is most effective for them. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, mm-hmm. we'll talk to Nina Techholz about the relationship between exercise, obesity, and nutrition. And what are some common misconceptions about nutrition, which we've talked about before as well. Nina Techholz is a science journalist, author, and executive director of the Nutrition Coalition, which is a nonprofit group that promotes evidence-based nutrition policy. So we're going to talk more to Nina right after the break, um, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can contact Nina through her website, ninatechholz.com, T-E-I-C-H, 
O-L-Z.com, or you can go to nutritioncoalition.us. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show, and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, The Trauma and Beauty of Being Human, with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are talking today about nutrition from a very scientific perspective with Nina Teicholz. Now that I pronounce your name correctly, Nina. <laughs> and she is a science journalist, author, and executive director of the Nutrition Coalition. And, Nina, uh, one of the things that you write about, and I really know our listeners want to hear about, is the relationship between exercise, obesity, and nutrition. Because as you've written, there are a lot of people exercising, and they're not losing weight. So talk about that. Right. Um, what we've been, we really have been taught this sort of simplistic idea that it's really all about calories in, calories out. So if you exercise and burn enough calories, um, that will keep your weight in control, under control. And um, but when they started doing scientific experiments, again, good randomized controlled clinical trials, trying to figure out if this was actually true, they could not prove it true. Um, I think one of the most depressing experiments that I ever read was about people, a group of people, half of them, they trained to run marathons. 
in the course of a year, and those people did not were not at the end of the year one pound lighter than the people who had done nothing. <laughs> and that's because your body wants to maintain homeostasis. That means it wants to maintain a constant, uh, you know, constant level of weight. And so if you train for a marathon, your body will just become more hungry and you will respond to that hunger and eat more. That's what happens, especially mm-hmm. with aerobic activity. So, you know, and to, you know, to work off like one Mars bar, you have to exercise for several hours. So the reality is that what they, what scientists have increasingly come to realize is you really, it's really nutrition that is driving your weight and that you cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. If you have a diet that's high in, especially in refined carbohydrates and sugars and, and junk food, you cannot exercise your way out of that. So the only kind of exercise that is shown to be uh, really um, a little bit effective for controlling your weight is um, high-intensity workouts, you know, like sprints or weight training. Basically, in both of those kinds of exercise, you work your muscles to total exhaustion. And that mm. actually changes you at a cellular level. At Each and every cell in your body uh, exp- becomes more insulin-sensitive so that then you can, you're actually changing your response to when you eat carbs, you're able to deal with them better. That kind of exercise has been demonstrated to um, to help people actually change to to move their weight a little bit. But the reality is is that you know ninety eight percent of your weight loss depends on changing your nutrition. So it's mm-hmm. really different than what we've been told. And let me just add that the people who have been pushing this idea of calorie in calorie out include a lot of food companies like Coca Cola, especially that has been paying off nutrition scientists. Um, it's really sort of scandalous to say, you know, what they want mm. to say is it doesn't matter what you eat, have a Coke, have a, you know, mm-hmm. candy bar. It's fine mm-hmm. so long as you keep your, you know, you, you exercise it off, or you keep your calories in balance. Well, that's yeah. really not true. But mm-hmm. it's sort of been sold to us by these food companies to, who want us to believe that we can, the type of calorie doesn't matter. It's just about the quantity. Mm. And, and you're saying that's not true. The type of calorie really does matter. That is just that has just been shown now scientifically. Um, mm. So, I think that what you you find is that um, it really you know the different makeup of your calories really has an impact on on whether or not you can lose weight. So, um, so tell us what the Nutrition Coalition is doing to change the U.S. dietary guidelines for us in this country. Well, you know, our, the, our, we have several problems with the guidelines. One is that they really still recommend a one-size-fits-all diet. So they, they say they have a variety of dietary patterns, but they are all 50 to 60% carbohydrates. There's no low-carb option for people who are pre-diabetic or diabetic or people who are overweight or obese. And, and you know, the different nutritional needs of children, the elderly, there are different groups and they have different nutritional needs and we need dietary guidelines that have a genuine diversity of diets. So that's one thing we're working for. We also know from a a good deal of scientific literature that many of our guidelines are not based on rigorous evidence. So, you know, that's why we've had a lot of flip-flopping recently. You know, there used to be caps on cholesterol. Don't eat egg yolks, don't eat shellfish. That's gone. 
you know, in the last dietary guidance in 2015, they said, oops, we were wrong on that. Well, that's because that recommendation was always based on weak science. Mm. They also backed off the low-fat diet, <laughs> which nobody really knows because they kind of tiptoed away from it, but also never based on rigorous science. If you yeah. go to the, the website, on the, the government's website, there's no, there's no rec- they don't talk about a low-fat diet anymore. Interesting. Now, isn't there, isn't there a lot of cholesterol in shellfish and also mercury sometimes? There is, but we were told not to eat shellfish due to the cholesterol content. So right. you may choose not to eat shellfish because of the mercury. Shellfish are very, very high in vitamins and minerals, um, particularly mm-hmm. minerals that are hard to get elsewhere. You know, clams are the, the greatest source of vitamin B12, which um, Americans tend to be deficient in. And, and it, it's also a problem with the dietary guidelines that the guidelines are, do not meet the government's own nutrition adequacy goals, meaning if you perfectly follow the dietary guidelines, you will not get all the vitamins and minerals you need. You'll be short on vitamin C, Mm -hmm. vitamin E, potassium, um, choline. So, you know, we feel the guidelines ought to at least meet their own nutritional goals, right? I mean, vitamins and minerals, we don't talk about that about them anymore, but those that's what you need for healthy life. To, so, um, so, all right, so Nina, we've got about a minute left or a couple minutes. So let right. us know how people can find out, you know, where the guidelines are. Where would you send them so they can get the right information? Well, our website is called nutritioncoalition.us. And okay. that is where we point out the problems with the guidelines. Um, we do not recommend following the guidelines because, as I say, they're nutritionally insufficient and they're one-size-fits-all diet and our hope is to change them. But if you're interested in, you know, our website has really interesting information that you don't see elsewhere about how much of the science is genuinely debated and contested. Um, So things you think you know are true, like this, you know, salt, lower the better. Well, actually, the science is very hotly debated on that topic and and other topics. And they can also go to your website, ninateicholz.com. Right, N-I-N-A-T-E-I-C-H-O-L-Z.com. All right, all right. Nina, thank you so much. I know probably your closing thought would be for people to do some research and really and go to the websites, correct? Yes, that would be, I I think that's a great idea. Uh, You have to, I think a healthy amount of distrust in our expert advice is is worthwhile to get to a healthier diet. All right. Thank you so much. And and again, if people want to know more, they can go to your website. And certainly, can they write to you through the website? Yes, they can. Okay, perfect. Nina, thanks so much. Again, Nina Teicholz is a science journalist, author, and executive director of the Nutrition Coalition. All right, stand the line for a minute, Nina. Stand the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can follow me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list so you can see the guests I have on all month and then the other projects that I'm doing and the whole area of positive living and helping to make positive positive changes for people through the media, this media work. Again, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank 
you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back. 